Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Day. I'm so excited to, to speak to you and get the opportunity to do so. The title of my talk is I Am, Therefore I Must. I Am, Therefore I Must. Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 48. And it says this, And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? This is Jesus. Did you not know that I must be in my father's house. We're going to jump to John chapter 10, verse 14. It says this, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice, and so there will be one flock and one shepherd. Let's pray real quick. Lord, we thank you so much. God, we thank you for the opportunity we get to be in your presence. We get the opportunity to just sit here and and hear what you have to say. Lord, it's not my words, but it's your words. And today I pray it changes us in Jesus name. Amen. I believe in in life. There there really is two questions that get us stuck on the roller roller coaster that I like to call the human condition. Um, the human condition is really when life is good, we are good. When life is bad, we are bad. We, we live based off circumstances. We live based off emotions. We live based off feeling. We live based off what's going on around us. And I believe that these two questions are, is really these that, that, that get us stuck on that. Um, it's these two questions that we will spend um, amounts of money and time and, 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 and thoughts and, and prayers to just trying to answer these two questions. And, and really the first one is who, who am I? Who am I? And that's our identity. It speaks to who, why am I here? Who am I? What is, you know, and, and, and if we can't answer this question, we find ourselves changing who we are to try to fit into a mold that we believe people think we should be in. And then the second question is, what am I here to do? Why am I on this earth? What is my purpose for living? These two questions quite often create a snag in our, in our life and, and, and get us attached to this condition where we live life without a destination. We live life without purpose. We live life without meaning. We live life just to live, and we find ourselves going up and down and up and down. When things are good, we are good. When things are bad, we are bad. And we find ourselves going in a perpetual state of just living life just to live, trying to answer these two questions. In John chapter 10, Jesus says something so profound and so amazing. He says this, one, I am the good shepherd. He says who he is. I am the good shepherd. And then if you go down in the verse, he says, I must let the sheep into the fold. So we're going to do a little bit of class participation, just a little bit. This is how my teachers kept my ADD attention. So I'm going to help you guys out for all those who have ADD. All right. So the first first phrase I want us to say is I am. Can you guys say I I am? I am. One more time. I am. The first phrase that Jesus says in John chapter 10 is, I am. I am deals with who we are. It deals with identity. It deals with uh, who God has created you to be and who we are in God. I am speaks to who he created us to be and, and, and our personality, our uniqueness. See, God created you to be unique. He doesn't want you to be a, 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 a robot. He doesn't want you to be just some, like everyone else. He wants you to be you and he wants you to find who that is and why he created you. 
I am speaks to our identity. It says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am a child of God. I am beautifully and wonderfully made. I am a new creation in Christ. Your I am speaks to who you are in God. Finding out your I am is, is the open door to figure out why you're here on this earth. Finding out who you are in God will help you find out what you're called to do in God. See, if we can't find out who we are, we will constantly walk around and trying to changing who we are, trying to figure that out, and we will never be able to walk in what God has called us to do. See, knowing your identity in God and who and what He's created you takes the pressure off you and puts it back on God. See, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says this: "I am who I am by the grace of God." And our pastor, Pastor Jensen Franklin, likes to add this, and that's enough. I am who I am by the grace of God, and that's enough. So when, when, when something begins to challenge your identity and challenge and saying, am, am I really saved? Am I really holy? Am I really, am I really pure? God, I am who I am by the grace of God, and that's enough. See, God begins to give you his grace. See, Paul did not say, I am who I am because I have a lot of money in my bank account. He didn't say, I am who I am because I, I have the, my dream house. I am who I am because I have my dream job. I am, I am who I am because I, I have a lot of friends. I am who I am because I, I've got the 401k. I've got the cars. I, no, he says, I am who I am by the grace of God. See, oftentimes we think I am who I am by the things that we have and the people that we know. But that's not what Paul was saying. He's saying, no matter what I have and who I know and what my occupation is, my identity is not found in any of those things because those things can come they can go but I am found in the grace of Jesus Christ and what that says is this that if my identity is in God's grace and it's God's grace that will sustain my identity see if it's found in our stuff if it's found in our things if it's found in our bank account that is going to be the thing that sustains your identity if it is in your bank account, when it is full, your identity is going to be secure. It's going to be, it's going to be at peace. But when things are empty, you're going to be anxious. You're going to be broken and you're going to be searching. See, Paul didn't say, I am who I am by my things. He says, I am who I am by the grace of God. When we realize who we are in Christ, it, 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 it begins to unlock something in your life. It begins to unlock that it's not about you. It's not about what you have or what you do. It's about putting it back on God and saying, God, you created me. Let me receive your grace. And that grace begins to unlock something. But if I am is all that God intended us to have, then the moment we would identify with him and give our heart to him and receive his grace, we would all go back up to heaven. Or the moment we got baptized, they would just hold us underwater until we went up to heaven. See, there's, if I am was all that it was, then the moment we gave our heart to Jesus, we would just zap, we're in, we're in heaven. But th th there was something so much more. For every I am is attached an I must. Can you guys say I must? I must. One more time, I must. I must. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. But if you go down, he says, I must let the sheep into the fold. Jesus understood that there was a responsibility that came with an I am. If we identify ourselves as an I am, I am a child of God, I am righteous, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If we identify with God and I put our identity in God, then we have a responsibility to live out the I must he has put us on this earth to fulfill. See, your I must is your purpose. Your I must is your destiny. Your I must is the reason why you live. Your I must is the thing that gets you out of bed every morning. Your I must is the thing that gives you breath in your soul. Your I must is the thing that drives you in life. Your I must is why God designed you and placed 
placed you here on earth. And if you identify with God and saying, I am a child of God, I'm identifying with you, it is now your responsibility to find your I must. Your I must brings you from complacency to activity. Your I must brings you from a place of standing still and being and to, to a place of doing. Your I must is the thing that activates you as a Christian. I must means you may have to overcome some things. I must means you may have to let some things go. I must means that there is something that you have to do with your life and that no matter what happens, you know that God has called you to do it and that is what you are going to do. I must pushes you from a place of living out of convenience to living from a place of conviction. You live from a place of conviction that no matter what people say, that no matter what happens, you are going to stand and say, this is my, I must, I must do this. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, but I must let the sheep into the fold. Jesus at age 12 realized his, I must. If we go back to that verse, it says his mom comes frantic saying, why are you doing this to me? I feel like my mom asked me that question a lot. Why, son, are you doing this to me? Because I love you. Um, she comes, she says, Jesus, why are you doing this to me? We have been looking all over for you. He says, don't you know I must be in my father's house? At age 12, Jesus found his I must. See, oftentimes we think that we have to be saved for a certain amount of time to walk in our purpose. That, that, that could not be further from the truth. The moment you identify and you find your I am, the moment you say, God, you are the Lord of my life, is the moment you now begin to find and walk in your I must. There is no time period. There is no schedule. God says, walk in your I must now, as a 12-year-old, Jesus began to walk in his I must. Why? Because your I must guides your life. It protects you. It guides you. It, it, it guards you. It speaks to you. Your I must is the thing that leads you in your life. Jesus was driven in, by his I must. Everything he did and said was filtered through that one thing that God had placed him on earth to do. It'll help you say yes to some things and no to some things. Your I must will guide you. It will show you what to give your money to, what to give your time to, what to give your talent to. Your I must will be the thing that, that will be the center of your driving force. See, it says this, you can see what someone's I must is if you look at their bank account. See what they give their money to. See what they give their time to. See what they give your talent to. See, even more valuable than money is time and, and, and your talent because that's something that no one else can take from you or give to you. That's what God gave you. We all have the same amount of time each and every day, 24 hours, and what we do with it will begin to show what is our, our, our priority in life. I can see what your I must is, is what are you giving your time to? What are you giving your words to? What are you giving your money to? See, I must will show you. It will help you discern what's an opportunity and what's your I must. See, every opportunity does not mean it's your I must. There may be some opportunities that come that way, but if, it's not, if you discern that it's not a part of your I must, it may be a good opportunity, but it's not the God opportunity, so you may have to say no. See, that's the, the, the easy part is to say no to opportunities that are not enticing, but the difficult part is to say no to the, the opportunities that look right and that feel right and that make sense. And can we say no to the opportunities that make sense to follow our I must? 
Because sometimes I'm, I must, saying yes to I must does not make sense. Sometimes it's saying, you know what, this makes way more sense for my family, makes more, makes more sense financially, makes more sense for my business, but there's something on the inside of me that's not attached to my I must. And though it looks good and the benefits look good, that's not what I'm driven by and that's not my identity. And I must walk in what God has called me to walk in. And little do we know when we say no to the good opportunity, the God opportunity is waiting right around the right around the bend and because we said no to the good opportunity and we said yes to our I must we find ourselves in a place of wow God how did you do this your I must will guide you your I must will help you discern it will help you keep the kind of people in your life that you need in your life your I must will guide you to the right people Jesus was walking down the road one day and there was a small man up in a sycamore tree and he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, I must go to your house. See, no one else wanted to hang out with Zacchaeus. No one else wanted to be with Zacchaeus, but it was a part of Jesus, I must, to go into Zacchaeus' house. He was a stealer, he was a liar, he was a thief, and yet Jesus looked at him and said, I must go to your house. See, Jesus will lead you to the place of I must and where he'll guide you to the right people at the right time, in the right place. Opportunity, he'll put you in front of people you never thought you would be in front of. He'll put you in places you never thought you would be. When you obey your I must, God will guide you and lead you to places and you will be like God why are you leading me here why am I having this conversation I said in the last service maybe your I must is that person in the cubicle next to you who drives you crazy I must talk to that person no not your I must that you have to go slap them for tapping their pin all day no I must go tell them about Jesus or I must go tell that neighbor who always knocks on my door and complains about something I must See, sometimes the people that you feel like you're not drawn, are, are, are you, you're pushing away from are actually a part of your I must. God has placed you in your workplace. That's your I must. God has placed you in the family that you're in. Why? Because you must change it. God has placed you in the friend group that you are. Why? Because you have an I must in that friend group. Nothing is by coincidence. Nothing is by accident. God will lead you to people in places. Why? Because he has an I must attached to your life to begin to change those workplaces, change those neighborhoods, change those friend groups, change your family God has an I must on your life and he is leading you to the right people at the right time I must will guide you to places that that you never thought you would go John chapter 4 Jesus said I must go to Samaria I must go to Samaria see but what we what we realize here is your I must and your obedience to your I must opens the door for somebody else to walk and obey in their I must see Jesus said I must go to Samaria I must. See, for a Jewish man to say, I must go to Samaria, was just like cussing somebody out. It's not what you did. Jewish people did not go to Samaria. They'd had nothing to do with Samaritans, and they had nothing to do with Samaritan women. But Jesus hit all three all at once, trifecta, boom. He said, I must go to Samaria. So he goes to Samaria, and, and, and sitting there is that Samaritan woman at the well, hiding out because she had five failed marriages and she was living with the six because it just wasn't even worth it because she figured it would end as well. She was hiding out because she was the, she was the talk of the town. Everyone was talking about her, ridiculing her, and she didn't want to deal with it. She didn't want to see anyone, yet Jesus had an I must that led him straight to her. Fast forward in the story, he has this conversation, and, and because Jesus obeyed his I must, it opened the door for that woman to obey her I must. 
that when she has this conversation, something came over her that she, the, the, the town that she was once hiding from, now she was running to, towards. And, and she had an I must that consumed her life, that no longer could she sit and hide away from, from those people. But now she had to go and tell them about the Jesus that she had encountered because Jesus obeyed his I must. It opened an opportunity for her to obey hers. See, I think of my dad. He was 50 years old when he left Seattle, Washington. He lived there for 20 years. He started a church at 50, 50 years old in Ventura, California. If you know anything about starting a church, generally you do not start something at 50 years old. That's usually when you start hitting the home stretch. But he began to start something because there was an I must on his life. He didn't know what it was. He was comfortable. He was happy. But because he was obedient in his I must, something began to shift in my life that gave me an opportunity to be obedient in my I must. I remember there was a season that I needed change, a season that I needed shifting. And because my dad obeyed and got out of his comfort zone and out of a place of convenience and into a place of conviction and saying, you know what, this is the time. It does not make sense. It, it does not add up, but I need to do it. It began to open a door for me to walk in my I must. See, Paul shows us two things that your I must will give you. Your I must will, one, bring people that will criticize you. And number two, your I must will help you block out the haters, you know. First, your I must will bring criticism. There will be times that people will say you're crazy. There will be times that people will say, why are you doing this? Why are you driving that far? Why are you always at church? Why are you always doing this? Why are you giving your money to the church? Why are you giving your time to the church? Why are you, why are you serving? Why are you loving on people? Why are you encouraging? Why, why, why? There's always going to be criticism, but your I must helps you block out the haters. See, Paul was in, in Acts 19 said, I must keep the feast inside Jerusalem. And Agabus was like, no, 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 you don't understand. They're going to stone you. They're going to, they're going to beat you. They're going to put you in prison. You cannot do that. You can't. He says, I must. I must keep the feast. So it didn't matter what they were going to do or what people were going to say. I must helps you block all of that out because you get tunnel vision and you realize no matter what people say or what people do or what happens, I know God has destined me to do this. So I must do it. I must. Paul said, I must. I must go to Rome, he said. I must go to Rome. I must leave the convenience of Jerusalem and Israel. And I must go to a place that needs to hear the gospel. The gospel is not only for Jews, he says, it's for Gentiles. I must go to Rome. There was an I must on his life. See, our I must, though, isn't always just, rarely is it just given to us. See, I think oftentimes as Christians, we, we get the I am and we sit and we pray. and We say, God, all right, tell me what to do next. During worship, every God, tell me what to do next. Year after year, every fast, God, tell me what to do next. Rarely is our I must just given to us. It's discovered, it's built, it's wrestled with. Think of Jacob. Jacob was wrestling with an angel. Do you understand what Jacob's name means? Deceiver, liar, supplanter. He stole the inheritance from his brother. He ran away and, and worked for his uncle Laban for 14 years, got two wives, and now he's on his way back and he's feeling the pressure because he knows his brother Esau is coming to get him. And there's an angel that shows up in the middle of the night and he begins to wrestle with it. I don't know about you, but I ain't wrestling no angels. I'd be like, all right, I give up. Because he said, the Bible says one angel killed 180,000 men. So I'm like, Jacob's pretty strong. He's a... We would be crushing in the UFC right now. I'm telling you. He's wrestling with this angel. 
See, sometimes your I must takes a wrestling match. It, 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 it takes some resistance. Saying, God, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. See, oftentimes I think the reason we don't walk in our I must is because we give up too soon. We quit. We, when, when resistance comes, we say, you know what, that's not what I signed up for. But there's something about wrestling for your I must. Jacob, the deceiver, the supplanter, wrestled all through the night. And he said, just, I will not let go until you bless me. And he says, he touches his hip and it begins to limp, which is a mark of his I must. But he changes his name from being deceiver to supplanter to he is victorious. Israel. He found his I must. Your I must is wrestled with. Your I must is, 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 is discovered. It's, it's, you have to search for it. You have to dig for it. It's going after God each and every day and saying, God, what's, what do you have me to do today? Oftentimes, and Pastor Jensen says this, and I love it. It says, big doors swing on little hinges. Oftentimes, the I must you're looking for is in the little opportunities God puts in front of our face each and every day. See, even Jesus wrestled with his I must. He's God. So today, if you're struggling with your I must, know, take comfort in knowing that God struggled. He wrestled. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before he went to the cross, he wrestled with his I must. He's saying, I know the pain that's coming. I know all that's going to take. God, I don't want to do this. He says this, if you could let this cup pass before me, please. But if not, my will, your will be done. What was Jesus wrestling with? What was Jacob wrestling with? Oftentimes, the thing that we wrestle with for our I must is our I want to. Your I want to is your feelings, your emotions, the thing that makes sense, the thing that, 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 that is pulling you this way. Jesus was wrestling with his I want to in the garden. Aren't you glad that he didn't give in to his I want to? Aren't you glad that he wrestled with it and he said, you know what, I want to not go to the cross, but I must because I have some people that I need to save. I have some people that I want to, to be in relationship with. I have some people that I need to love and restore. There's an I must on your life. Wrestling with the I want to. Wrestling with the I want to is trusting in your feelings and your emotions. Sometimes the reason we trust in our feelings are our emotions because that's the realest thing that we have in that moment. See, when everything's lost and everything doesn't make sense, your feelings and your emotions are the realest thing. But that doesn't mean they're the most accurate. Because they feel this way. It's like, wow, this is what I feel. This is what I feel. This is what I must do. No, no, no. Sometimes we need to stop and say, God, I know I, this is what I feel. And this is what I want to do. I want to run away from church because nothing is working out. And this person offended me. And this hurt. And this hurt. And, and, and I'm bitter with this person. I'm mad at this person. Yes, God, I, I, I just I don't want to just give my, give my life anymore to you because I feel like nothing is working out. And our natural propensity is to run away from what makes us feel uncomfortable. But sometimes that pushing and that stretching is, is, is exactly what we need and God is saying I know this is what seems real and what you want to do but just trust and hold on to what you must do Jesus had and I must I I grew up I was a wrestler I know I didn't I don't look like it anymore um, <laughs> shut up you know I'm trying to work out right once every like six months um, praise the Lord uh, I grew up, I was a wrestler from fifth grade to senior year of high school, and I remember going into my senior year, I was ready, I was, I was wanting to go to state, possibly wrestling in college, um, getting a degree to go be a sports communicator where I could do broadcasting um, with sports, because I just love sports, it's just like amazing, right? I'm like, oh, I gotta go watch sports games and talk about them, that seems like an easy job. Um, but it, God had a different plan. I remember the day before my first match, I dislocated my elbow, I was out for the year, and, and it's seemingly insignificant, but to a senior in high school and everything that you've worked for is taken away in a moment, 
it almost takes your breath away. And I was like, God, I thought I was supposed to do this. I thought I was supposed to do that. And then I remembered that he spoke to me at a summer camp earlier that year. And, and he gave me a vision of, a, a, of an arena of young people lifting their hands and worshiping God. And he says, you must make a difference. He says, me? Do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? So after that camp, what did I do? I went and started a prayer group, right? It's like, I can make a difference with a prayer group. My dad always says, pray. So I'd pick one kid up every single Friday and we would pray. I'd invite like 30 people. And the only person who would show up was the kid who had to show up because I picked him up. So it was like, <laughs> I was like, you don't have a choice. You must come pray. Every week we would pray, just me and him. And I, man, I tell you what, there'd be times I'd see the kids I invited. And I'd be like, hey, hey, we're over here. I was like, bro, they just didn't know where we were. And they would turn and walk away. I was like, oh, just kidding. Like, uh, we would pray. And I, I, I prayed these crazy prayers. I grew up with, like, intercessory parents. So I just, like, would pray this stuff. Like, God, I stand in the gap for this, uh, this school. Lord, I pray for this administration. Lord, I pray you begin to open doors. And I was praying stuff that maybe I didn't even realize what I was praying, but I just felt it. There was an I must on my life. But as, as time went on and wrestling season came and, and my schedule got full, I stopped praying every Friday morning. Then I get hurt and I'm laying there saying, God, what's going on? He says, go back to your I must. You must make a difference. So I started taking those kids out to lunch. I, started, I found five guys and we'd go out to lunch every single week. And I started a small group. There were six guys. I'm like, oh, I'm changing the world. Like, don't you love it when you're young? Things are so much simpler. I'm like, I'm changing the world. We have six high school guys coming to a small group. Yes! I can't tell you how excited I was. It's like, woo! We're changing it. I'm making a difference. God, I told you I would. More like you told me I would. And one week, I was like, all right, we got to grow this. We got to change the world. We're going to do a bonfire. So we did a bonfire, and like 30 guys show up. I'm like, my mind is blown. I'm like, this is crazy. We started going to round table pizza every single week because it was affordable, $7.99, pizza buffet, plug. I'm a sponsor, you know, it's my sponsor, endorsement. Um, every single week we started doing small group and things begin to grow. And then that year after I graduated high school, I would go every Monday, I would spend my whole paycheck just to buy pizza from Little Caesars. My Honda Civic smelled like Little Caesars until I lost it. Every Monday I would bring Little Caesars to Ventura High School and I would hand it out to people and say, hey, Jesus loves you. I would invite him to church, and I would get the weirdest looks. They call me the pizza guy, which isn't like, I don't know if that's a good nickname. <laughs> and uh, every week I was handing out pizza, hey, Jesus loves you. Remember I met one kid, he's like, hey, I can't take your pizza, I'm an atheist. I'm like, bro, this pizza's for you, man, I love you. He's like, he's like I've never heard someone talk like that. I'm like, just eat the pizza, bro. Like, <laughs> just take it. Every week, every week I would hand out pizza. And it wasn't rewarding. It wasn't cool. No one was Instagramming about it. Like, I was, you know, but no one else was. Then halfway through the year, seven months in, I, we started gaining a following. Got like 30 kids. I'm like, we can start a club with that. Let's do it. Start a club, 30 kids show up. It was amazing first week. I'm like, we're changing the world. Five weeks later, there was 80 kids. I'm like, yes, we're doing this. The next year I go, and there's 250 kids coming on that high school every single week. And the principal began to say, hey, you can do whatever you want. You can use any room. And these are prayers that I had prayed back in that time that I thought I wasn't making a difference. But there was an I must on my life. Something took over me. I was like possessed. I could not let it go. God, I must make a difference. 
I must change a generation. What drives me each and every day to do what I do is because there's an I must to change a generation because I know that this generation carries something that no other generation ever has. And there's an I must on my life. See, your I must will play, take you places that you never thought you would go. I'm telling you what, those four years when I was walking through that I must was the most difficult times in my life. I moved from Seattle, Washington to the only place I've ever known, from the friends that, 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 the only friends I've ever known to a public high school where I knew no one. I would sit and eat my lunch and no one would talk to me. But for the first time in my life, I felt like what it meant to be an outsider and there was an I must and say, no one else will ever feel this way ever again. There's an I must on your life, it changes you. You think that all is good and then my mom gets diagnosed with cancer, we begin to battle and we begin to battle and we begin to pray and saying, God, I thought we, we, we moved for you. Why is everything falling apart? There's an I must, it keeps you. See, when Paul was going to Rome, there was a major, major storm and his boat began to fall apart and people were crying out. And they're saying, Paul, we got to get off the boat. We got to get off the boat. He says, no, no, no. I must go to Rome and I, my, I must will protect you. I promise. Tonight, I want to tell you, if you feel like the boat is breaking up around you, don't leave the boat. Your I must will protect you. Your I must will guide you. Your I must is the hand of God. So no matter how bleak it looks, there is hope that God is going to make it through. I must. See, when you step outside of our, when we step outside of our I must, it takes off God's guarantees. See, it would be a shame to just to go to heaven but not ever live our fullest life here on earth. Because we can make it to heaven but not live in God's fullness potential and fullness of his purpose. We can make it to heaven without walking in our I must. But I don't know about you, but I don't want to do that. Not for a God who died for me. And there's going to be sometimes it feels like it's breaking apart, but your I must will protect you. Your I must will guide you. Your I must, when everything is going against you, will just put a bubble of grace around you and say, you cannot touch my child no matter what happens. Our I must will be the thing that protects us. Stay in the boat. I remember being 20 years old and getting a phone call from a guy named Pastor Ben Prescott. Hey! In this Australian accent, I'm not going to do it. Hey, we're looking for a youth pastor. I'm like, oh, cool, I'll help you out. Like, I'll look for someone. <laughs> no, 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 we, wanna, we want you to come meet us. I'm like, I can just send you someone. You don't need to, no, 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 we want to meet you. I'm like, oh, why? We've heard about everything you've done on your campus. We've heard about all those things that you're doing. I'm like, really? So we go down, we have dinner, and it was amazing, and Long story short, they hired me, and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. You just hired me. I'm 20 years old. <laughs> like, you crazy. <laughs> I, work with, I work with youth and young adults. I realize now how much Pastor Ben believed in me because it's like, you crazy. You hired a 20-year-old. I tell you this, though. Your I must is so crazy. I remember being 13 years old. I was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at a youth conference. My parents are from Louisiana originally. And a man named Pastor Jensen Franklin was preaching that night. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought I was going to be a brother going to walk out on the stage with that name. I was like, he's gonna be, this is going to be a good night, you know. <laughs> he walks out, and it's the skinny white dude from Georgia. And he, 
but he begins to preach. And he preached a message I will never forget, 13 years old. I've been in thousands of thousands of thousands of services. My parents were in the ministry, but there was two messages that spoke, that stuck out to me that changed me, and both were by Pastor Jensen Franklin. One was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He began to speak about an anointing that was a turnaround anointing like Jehu, and I said, I want that. I want that. Begin to weep and cry as a 14-year-old and saying, that's what I want. I remember being in Australia, Sydney, Australia, at 18 years old. I had just given my life back to God. I had been like a year that I'd been giving my life back to God. I've been living for him. I've been trying to do what God has called me to do. I'm in the middle of trying to make a difference. And, and I'm sitting there feeling like I wasn't good enough, feeling like I had made too many mistakes. And Pastor Jensen begins to preach a message about Peter that when the rooster would crow, it would remind him of the times he denied Jesus and how the enemy tries to remind you of the times that you messed up. I still have that notebook with those notes in that notebook in my office. Why? Because it changed me. And now you're looking at me today and I'm here saying, how am I working for that man? Your I must. Your I must will put you in places you never thought you would go. It'll put you in front of people. It'll give you the opportunities you always dreamed of. Why? Because it's an I must. It's something you battle with. It's today there's someone in this room today you feel like you have no purpose. You feel like you have no reason. You feel like you're just walking life and, and, and there's no really purpose behind it. And you feel like if, no, if I had left, nobody would notice that I'm gone. But I'm telling you this, God would. Because your life has an I must. And the moment that you started breathing, your I must was born into this world. And your, the grace of God activates it on your life. And your life and your existence matters to God. And God is saying, stand up today and fight for your I must. In 2018, no longer will the enemy fight for your I must more than you fight for your I must. Why is the enemy scared? Because you've got a big I must on your life. Why are you getting attacked? Because you've got an I must on your life. Why are your finances going in? Because you've got an I must on your life. Let's stand to our feet today. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.